Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Hannah, and you're listening to Hannah Schlesinger Podcast. Um, so before we start today's episode, which I'm excited about, um, really quick, I'm going to plug my Patreon page that I just started. So if you want to, you can check it out at patreon.com slash hannahthetrainer. And if you want to support this project there slash also get some coaching and stuff for yourself, there are three tiers of support. The first one's only $4 a month, and I will send you two strength training workouts via email each month done on a progressive basis. So you'll get stronger if you keep doing them. Um, The second tier is $10 or more a month where you get eight strength training workouts via email each month. So you can have two different workouts to do every single week of the month. And then the last tier is $25 or more, and you'll get eight individualized workouts done according to your own goals. And we'll check in and talk about how it's going. And I'll write you those every single month. That tier is only open to 10 people. So if you're interested in that one, definitely go do it. Um, so yeah, or you can just keep listening for free, but for as little as $4 a month, you can get workouts delivered to you and, um, access to me for questions and other things like that, which is a really good way to be in contact with a trainer. If you're not hiring one at your gym or wherever you go to work out. So anyways, um, today on the podcast, I am having Cameron, who is one of my coworkers at William and Mary Campus Recreation. She's a certified personal trainer and is a TRX qualified instructor as well. So we've been working together for a while and we're both also supervisors. And for the past couple of weeks, I've been co-teaching a personal trainer test prep course to prep a class to get certified through ACSM with her. So we've been hanging out and talking a lot about resistance and cardiovascular programming and teaching it to new trainers. So um, welcome, Cameron. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, So give a little like spiel about your background and how you got into personal training and anything that you feel like is relevant. Okay. I'll try to keep this relatively short, but growing up as a kid, I was always overweight. Um, I never really was involved in exercise and wasn't a big proponent of being outside at all. Like I was very inactive. It wasn't healthy. And then, um, in high school, I was like, you know what? I want to join a sports team and I want to be able to make new friends, meet new people. So I just picked up running like of all things. I was like, I'm going to do cross country. So I just got up one day, ran a 5k and was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. So then I did cross country and track, um, all four years of high school and I loved it. But then by my senior year, I was like, "Mm, I'm done. So by this time, my mom was a personal trainer, so she had gotten me into strength training, and um, we did a little bit of group fitness, small group training classes, and I loved them, and I was hooked. So then when I got to William & Mary, I was like, okay, this is an awesome opportunity to become a personal trainer, Um, and I never looked back. So luckily, I was hired, (laughs) and over that time, I've still stuck with strength training, but it's progressed definitely. Like I've grown a lot in terms of my training style, but also my philosophy about training, so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah, so the main thing that we're talking about today is differences in training styles and kind of like the evolution of training styles um, with sort of a like almost, I I would say, health at every size and like intuitive lens. So what do you say, like how would you say your overall evolution of your training style has changed like for you personally? My training style used to be very aesthetic-based. So when I first got into strength training, I was like, I'm going to do bodybuilding. So I was in there like doing bro splits, you know, like 
and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, it was motivated less by like becoming strong and like a better version of myself and more by, I want to get lean and jacked. So I realized that that wasn't necessarily like, it, it just wasn't a sustainable goal for me because I got to a certain point where I was like, this is actually kind of boring. I don't care about this. <laughs> and so from there, I um, tried out a little bit of powerlifting and it's like, okay, wait, it's actually super cool to be strong, not just look strong, but actually be strong and be able to move a lot of weight. And that's what I'm still doing. I love it. I just started adding in. I'm trying to diversify a little bit because I can get a little a little old. So I added in a little bit of running, a little bit of yoga. And so it's definitely transformed from like me constantly trying to be smaller or more muscular and transformed into more of me wanting to be more capable of doing things and um, actually find joy in the movement that mm-hmm. I'm doing. You've done a little CrossFit, too. A little CrossFit. <laughs> I made Cameron do a CrossFit. I didn't make you. You wanted to. I wanted you, to. It was actually too easy to convince well, you so to do it with me. here's the thing. It's like, Hannah texted me last year, and was like, would you do this CrossFit competition with me? Like, this might be crazy. And I was just flattered. Hannah <laughs> you know, had thought of me, so I was like, yeah, obviously. And I love that, too. So, like, mm-hmm. I've definitely learned that you don't just have to stick with one style. Like, it's mm-hmm. good to explore, because you'll find stuff that you like. It'll surprise you. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people... I don't feel like I've ever met anyone who didn't start lifting, doing, like, bodybuilding. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's no one who, like, was like, yeah, I started with, like, intuitive and, like, functional exercise. <laughs> and it was sure. always, like, really healthy. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely, that's, like, something that I think is, I guess it's, like, funny, but also kind of concerning that so many people come from, like, row splits and, like, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it, maybe. But, yeah, depending on the person. Um, yeah, I started similarly like I started I actually started kind of from a functional place and then it just like really quickly went to an in unfunctional infunctional non-functional place because I was a rock climber and I was really bad at rock climbing I was like really not fit my entire life I was like a theater kid so I spent all my time in the dark like a backstage <laughs> and um I grew up performing and so I was just singing all the time and that takes up so much time that like you don't do other sports like it's like you know, kids on, like, travel soccer when they're young and they're, like, I can't do anything else. That's, like, what it's like when you're doing theater, but, um, yeah, and so I started rock climbing and really liked it, and I wanted to be good at it, and so I was, like, well, maybe I should get fit so that I'm good at rock climbing, so I started lifting and working out so that I could be better at rock climbing, and then when I came to college, I stopped, um, I also started doing ab workouts to be a stronger singer and have more vocal control. That's really Yeah, when I was doing competitive choir in high school, we had to it was like show choirs. We sang and danced at the same time. So my choir director would have us do our whole set. We would sing through the whole thing while running on a treadmill. And then I was like, this isn't working. So let's see what is going to work. And then it turned out to be core strength. So I would make my whole choir do ab workouts to increase our core strength. And then we were like grand champions, which like (laughs) was actually all thanks to me. (laughs) Um, So then I came to college and kind of stopped rock climbing and then just turned into, like, a lifter, and I was always just trying to get smaller and, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, when I was recovering from my eating disorder, I was like, I need to do something else. So I guess I'm just going to keep, like, I was doing different types of things. So I was, like, experimenting with kettlebells and doing, like, a lot of kettlebell swings. And I started training for a triathlon at one point, which didn't go super well. Um, but, and then... Um, I went abroad, and so I was doing, like, body weight. Like, I just, like, did tons of burpees all the time in my room just to, like, move. Do. It wasn't, like, to the floor burpees. They were, like, sprawl mm-hmm. burpees, so those were easier. And then I came back and started doing CrossFit and had my CrossFit time. 
and was doing a lot of Olympic weightlifting and then biked across the country. So I was doing cycling and then I came back and was trying to get back into CrossFit and it just wasn't working for my body. And then I became a distance runner. So I have a like similarly just like kind of linear, like getting you to a place and kind of all over the place um, sort of background. So I think um, a lot of people also have just like different weight, like a lot of people who have ended up in like doing functional training or CrossFit or whatever, at least started somewhere that was like not work like you know like we always get to what are like main I call it my main sport like whatever thing I'm focusing on at that mm-hmm. time through figuring out what isn't your main sport that's like, true I'm never gonna be an Olympic weightlifting champion and I think it's great that being aesthetically motivated will get people through the door but I think that it's important to make sure that that's not all it is mm-hmm. and that's not what drives you every day because like people are age so when I started actually working out regularly I was 14 I guess so like (laughs) at age 14 you're not like I'm gonna work out so that Mm -hmm. you know when I'm older I can move around independently so that my blood pressure is lower my cholesterol whatever like that's not the reason like the reason is usually either to find an activity that you enjoy or because you're like I want to lose some weight and so I think it's understandable why people start there but I think that that also is kind of like you need to grow past that Um, in order to like actually come at it a healthy way because like for me like that's why I started Mm -hmm. and doing like freshman year I would do like two days like I'd come back and like do cardio like there's just no reason for me to be doing it besides the fact that I was like I want to look good so like I don't regret that because it got me to where I am today but I think it is important that like people do focus on Mm -hmm. like greater reasons for working out than just yeah I remember there being like a split second, very short amount of time, but there was a split second where I wanted to do a bikini competition. And like, okay, look at me, it. like I, yeah. the measures that I would have to go to <laughs> yeah, to even know. stand up there, like not that I want to, but if I did want to, which I don't, and I won't, and if mm-hmm. you do, you should examine that. But even if I did want to, the measures that I would have to go to, like I'm not naturally super lean, like... I'm a distance runner who looks still like a, like, I'm always going to look like a powerlifter, like, thick Mm -hmm. person, you know? So, I just can't believe that I once was like, maybe I could do, like, oh my god, I can't imagine how miserable that would have been. Yeah. I had a client tell me, literally just yesterday, that her doctor is a bikini competitor. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's really unhealthy for the vast majority of people. Like, I find that interesting. But, I mean, and if that's what you're all about, that's what you're all about, but it's just not sustainable. And that's really why I've transitioned more into like, I'd rather be strong Mm -hmm. and as a byproduct also be healthy later into life because like that is sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like we were talking about, um, in the Ted talk that we watched last night, we watched this Ted talk about beauty thickness and, um, the woman was talking about that. It's like, what kind of power, like if like being beautiful is powerful, what kind of power consumes like your whole life? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the same thing with something like bikini competitions or physique competitions where, like, to be functionally strong, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, like, when we kind of start to talk about intuitive eating and exercise in a couple minutes, but, like, to be functionally strong and to be healthy and move well in life, it takes a little bit of effort and a little mm-hmm. bit of time out of every day. Not a lot. Like, mm-hmm. not even an hour, really, yeah. if, you're, if you're just doing it for the health benefits. Um, but people competing in physique competitions, it takes, it's like your whole life. 
So even if it does bring you joy, what kind of joy comes from, like, what kind of joy are you really getting from taking, like, literally your whole life is surrounding, like, is, like, about this thing that is just trying to alter your body. Right. Especially when your body's fighting so hard not to be altered. Like, Mm -hmm. if you have to diet so much and exercise so much to get it to do that, is it really, you know, like, is it really what you should be doing? Mm And something I still struggle with is letting go of, like, some control. We were talking about this yesterday. I'm doing a 30-day, like, run at least a mile a day challenge. And usually it is just a mile because I'm like, whatever, 10 minutes of my day. Like, it'll make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the weekend, I missed both days and was like, oh, my God, I broke my streak. Like, what am I going to do? But then it's like the world doesn't end, and it's okay to, like, lose some control. And I distinctly remember two vacations that I went on. Um, I think my sophomore year in high school where I just like freaked out the entire time because I couldn't run. And like granted at that time I was technically a competitive runner for for my school's team, but like it wasn't that serious. But I remember like throwing a fit on what, like I was in Mexico, I was in Cancun and I was like, I can't run on this treadmill, whatever. Like, so it's, it's so easy to let it consume your life, but it's not something Mm -hmm. that like is overall healthy, even though it's disguised as a healthy Mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember so many trips that have been ruined by me being like, but I have to work out, or like, this isn't healthy, or like, I can't just like sit around and like eat all day, and like I was in New York City even this past year, and we were planning on going to a class at Y7, which is like my favorite yoga studio ever in New York City, they do like, have you heard of it? Mm -mm. They do like, like really insane yoga classes, and it's like they teach you, like you go through a flow, and then they like blast this like rap music, like really upbeat, nice. fun music, and then you like flow through the flow like on your own at your own pace. So it's it's like similar to what I do with my yoga conditioning oh. classes now. It's so much fun, and it's in a hot room, and the whole thing is very cool. And the one we went to this time in Brooklyn, it's also very body positive. Like it's never oh. like lose weight, get toned, whatever. Like there's sweat out all their calories, even like their images, like. How we were talking about last night about our advertising at this gym their advertising isn't like with physique or anything like that it's like just work really hard get really sweaty mm-hmm. that's how we do yoga kind of thing and I just love it and the instructors are always great so anyways so we we're planning on going to this one class and we were there for like four days and I found myself thinking like well I need to find like three other workout classes mm-hmm. to drop into and I was like no I don't I, yeah. I don't like I can just we're like walking around New York City all day we walked like It was, like, 20,000 steps a day. Like, I didn't need to go then and, like, run or whatever. It's fine, you know? Yeah. So. So, we have this article that we read or skimmed, looked through a little bit. Um, That's actually a study that's in progress right now um, called Implementation Intention for Initiating Intuitive Eating and Active Embodiment in Obese Patients Using a Smartphone Application. And it talks about... Um, this study that's being done with the smartphone app um, that's um, increasing, like working to increase people's intuitive eating and um, active embodiment, and by that they're meaning intuitive exercise um, through this mobile phone app and seeing the benefits. And um, although the study isn't done yet, their introduction is really good in kind of describing why intuitive eating and intuitive exercise is important and we're probably going to end up talking about a little bit more about intuitive exercise but I feel like since the two are so connected um so intuitive eating is defined by one's ability to make food choices based on one's awareness of his or her own body response so um someone 
noticing how food makes them feel and then basing their choices off of that. So it's not just eat whatever you want all the time, but it's thinking like, you know, I want to feel good. So what makes me feel good? Or maybe I do want to eat this dessert and, you know, I know that it's going to make me feel tired, but it's okay kind of thing. Um, so it doesn't necessarily encourage, a lot of people think that it encourages like super unhealthy eating and it actually usually most of the time encourages healthier eating. Um, cause it get, gets you in tune with your body. Um, and then in, let me see. Okay. So, and then intuitive exercise. So, um, intuitive exercise is referred to also as active embodiment and encourages people to find enjoyable ways of being physically active, independent of weight loss and explicit guidelines for frequency and intensity of exercise. And in health at every size based interve interventions, they've been shown to generally improve or maintain behavioral physiological, psychological, and clinical outcomes, including weight loss, and even in the case of weight regain after weight loss, which happens like like 90% of the time plus, yes. um, even in the case of weight regain, these behavioral practices have sustained health benefits in looking at blood pressure, lipids, energy expenditure, um, susceptibility to hunger, self-esteem, depression, self-perception of body image, and all the things that like actually matter a lot more than what you weigh. So... Um, basically, and also it resulted in people not being as discouraged by weight regain. So, you know, that like defeat when you gain the weight back doesn't really happen as much when people are um, using that intuitive approach. So basically, this study introduces the whole concept as intuitive eating, intuitive exercise is like probably one of the most effective, if not the most effective way of um, changing your health. Um, and it's also the most accessible way too, which is cool. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to pay for a nutrition plan. You don't have to pay to go to certain classes. Like it's kind of all about what, what you, you want to do on, yeah. on any given day. Yeah. And I think that when you don't hold yourself to like a certain standard and you don't, you're not like, you can't have dessert, you know, like when you like get rid of those restrictions, I think you're less mm -hmm. likely to want to like go off plan or go off track, you know, because you're like, oh, I can do whatever I want whenever I want, yeah. as long as it makes me feel good. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. So would you say generally your exercise is intuitive? So, um, what, I follow a program currently, I'll shout out <laughs> Meg Squats on Instagram, I love her. Um, she does super cheap programming. I'm paying $6 a month for like, yeah. progressive workouts. It's awesome. Um, but so I, I just prefer it. Like, I've played around with kind of just doing whatever I want to do. And sometimes I'm like, this is great. And other times I'm like, I need some structure. Mm -hmm. But I've gotten better about, like, being flexible on what days I work out. And it's not the end of the world if I can't work out on a certain day. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot better about actually listening to my body. And my body's like, please stop working out. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I've also gotten better about if there's, like, you know, some accessory work and I'm just really not feeling it or I'm tired. And then I'm like, all right, that's fine. I gave it my all for today and yeah. I'm just going to walk away. Like, it's okay yeah. that I'm not doing that work. And there's some intuition in knowing that your body responds better to programming mm -hmm. and going with sure. that. Like, I feel like a lot of times with the conversation around intuitive exercise, which is not a bad thing at all. And for most people, that's just probably what they need to hear, which is, like, wake up every day and, like, think about what would feel good to you. So, like, maybe you feel like going to yoga. Maybe you feel like going for a run. Maybe you don't feel like doing anything. Maybe you want to like go like, I don't know, sit in the sauna, like things that are good for you and taking it one day at a time. But we know based on like the organizations that we're certified to be personal trainers through that progression is the thing that makes you stronger and better at what you're doing. So if you're an athlete that's looking to be better at something, whether it's powerlifting or running, you can't just wake up and 
like do yeah. what you like. I just finished a half, my first half marathon this past weekend, and if I had been you know approaching my training like waking up and deciding whether I felt <laughs> like doing a twelve mile training run it wouldn't really work right, right to get me to my goal and so I think that intuitive exercise can be like whatever you need it to be mm-hmm. which is cool and yeah. kind of freeing too I do think that there's a perception that intuitive eating or exercise like that means that there's no guidelines yeah like you know and like no plan yeah. um and that's not always the case like yeah. I I think it's totally fine to you know follow a program um, have a plan and yeah you're right like if you have goals that you want to reach like mm-hmm. you have to you have yeah. to have progressive overload like you just yeah. have to um, but I think it's important to also play around with like listening to your body you know yeah. like I used to be in here six days a week like crushing it even when I didn't want to be and now I'm in here four days a week I'm getting stronger and I feel better mm-hmm. so I think it's important to understand that it's okay to also have like parameters in mm-hmm. place but as long as you feel like you're still giving yourself some flexibility then you're still doing your body a favor. Yeah. And like basing what parameters you put in place on what feels best to your body too. So like mm-hmm. your like my parameters aren't the same as yours. We our two main sports right now are completely different things. Mm-hmm. So like what I did for my half was I really did start my training by aiming to run three times a week, maybe more, maybe less. Sometimes even at the end of my training, sometimes I ran less than that, depending on how I was feeling. But I would just be like, okay, I'm going to try and run, you know, I'm going to run three times a week, whichever days I feel like running, and I'm going to do between, and I gave myself, like, a range of mileage, like, three to five. And then once I started adding in my long runs, I would be like, well, I can do, you know, I can run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then whichever day I feel like doing my long run, like, that morning I'll wake up and just kind of see how my body's feeling. And if I really feel like doing my long run that day, then I'll do it. And if I'm tired and I don't want to, then I'll just do it a different day, and it doesn't have to be the same day every week. And then once I moved into my long runs being a couple of hours long, I kind of had no choice but to do them on Saturdays. So when my long run was only seven miles, I could run for an hour and a half, like, on a weekday and be mm-hmm. fine. But when you're running, like, ten, like, you not Crazy. only it takes longer, but then you have to go and, like, you have to make sure you get a big meal afterwards. And so it just mm-hmm. kind of takes more energy to complete. So that was when I sort of moved myself into a more strict program, which was, like, this is the day that you do your long runs and this is the progression of mileage that you're going to do. Otherwise, like you're not going to do well in your race. Mm -hmm. So, but like all of that came from a foundation of listening to my body and then knowing what my body needed. So I could tell in the beginning when I would wake up and say, I don't feel like running at all today, probably because I went to bed late last night and was stressed or was like emotionally stressed or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I think it all, like even when you are on the program, even when you're like making your program a little more strict in preparation for some event that it is still can be intuitive. Yeah. I think that's a great way to reach a goal while also still being intuitive. Like that's how you would implement that is giving yourself that flexibility, at least at the beginning. And then also I do agree with you. Like that's a good way to be in touch with your body too. Like seeing, cause if you're on a program, then you generally like, that's kind of a control. So then when something feels off someday, you can be like, okay, well let me look at you know why this might be. And so that way you can kind of understand like, okay, I need to drink more water. need to sleep longer. Mm -hmm. Just things like that. And it's that helps you, I think, in all areas of life, too. Like, not mm-hmm. just your exercise and whatever your workout is that yeah. day, but, like, how can I feel better in my daily life, too? Mm-hmm. And then I think it also kind of lowers the stakes. Like, when you're walking into your workout saying, it's okay if I – like, I did this even during my race on Sunday. I was mm-hmm. like, if I start this and I hate it and I'm, like, dying, then I'll just go really slow. And, like, maybe mm-hmm. I'll walk. Like, maybe I'll just crawl past the finish line. And then – 
ended up finishing at a dis at a time that was way faster than I expected, and all of my miles were faster than what I usually train at. Like every single mile of the half marathon was under the time that I usually do my training runs. Um, and it was like because whenever I would speed up, I would just do it with the curiosity of like wondering whether I could do it instead of having to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah, like if my body doesn't like that, then I just won't do it anymore. It's just not that big of a deal. But if it does, then it'll work and I'll just keep doing it. And then it results, it like results in better outcomes and better like results in trying to reach a goal. Yeah. I think it's also a lot easier on you mentally too, because I've definitely had times where I go in with super high expectations. And if I don't meet those expectations then I feel like I failed, but yeah. that's not true. Like if I'm still coming in here and giving it my best, like that's great. And a lot of times when I don't have expectations, then I end up doing really well and I like surpass what I thought I could do. Yeah. Then it's even cooler because you're like, awesome. You know, now yeah. I can celebrate this instead of being like, all right, I'm checking the box off. Yeah. So like when I come in and I'm like, all right, I want to add five to 10 pounds to my deadlift today or something, you know, it's awesome. You can, but if I can't, I'm just like, all right, next yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a great way to have like a mental break from it too. Cause mm-hmm. everything else in life, especially as students, like, you know, you're constantly pushing, constantly having expectations and grades that you need to get. So it's nice to have, like, something. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I just want to do what I can do. Yep. What would you say to someone who has just started working out and is, like, on their own about this kind of concept? I think especially when you're first starting out, it's hard to know exactly what your thing is going to be. So I think waking up and being like, okay, here's what I want to do today is very valid. Like, you'll see everywhere you need to go to body pump three times a week or you need to make sure that you're doing bro splits in order to have the most muscle gain. You know, like it doesn't matter. Like find something that you enjoy because the biggest thing is that you find something you're going to stick with. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, sometimes coming in and doing everything perfectly. You need to find something that can be imperfect but that you do all the time that you actually like. So I would say that is a big thing. It's kind of explore your options. And yeah, also just be easy on yourself. Um, it's easy to kind of like throw yourself into it 100%, but that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. Cause I feel like so many times people start from like a sedentary or non-active lifestyle mm-hmm. and they think that the first goal that they should do is like be able to do a push up or be able to do a pull up or like whatever, you know, get to X point in like mm-hmm. this specific thing when really you can start with the goal of like making yourself an active person and just incorporating activity into your lifestyle and making your lifestyle one that includes daily active living. And if you're doing that by going to a random group fitness class every single day, you're still going to see health benefits. You're Mm -hmm. still going to see your blood pressure is going to go down. Your heart rate is going to go down. Like your body's just going to feel better. And even if it doesn't mean you necessarily are like getting stronger in a specific thing or cause we know like, you want to get stronger at squats like you have to squat and you have to do it a lot but if your thing is just to be a better moving human being and that means just doing something random every day even if it's like mismatched it's like fine like start there and that's totally fine and then it feels like the step to going into a program or going into like a fit like a physical goal is farther you know is like not as far away yeah when you first start and this is something I'm still working on myself but trying to like redefine what success means to you so like success doesn't have to be I came in here and I burned 500 calories and so I'm great. Like it can be, I made it out of bed and into the gym today. Like that's a huge thing. Um, that's usually the hardest part of it for me is actually oh, yeah. getting myself here. Um, and success doesn't have to be what you see in the mirror um, because that's not going to be the fastest thing to change. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get burnt out if you're like 
why don't I have abs already? <laughs> why don't I look yeah. like all these fit chicks on Instagram? Like that's going to get old really fast. Yeah. So um, focusing on things that aren't aesthetic, like it's fine if you are, but also make sure that you have some other stuff there too, because you need to appreciate everything you're doing for your body. Yeah. Like you'll feel a lot better once you start working out regularly. And even if you don't see big changes in the mirror, that doesn't mean that you're not still doing fantastic stuff for yourself. And if you really, really want to see big changes in the mirror, examine why that is and yeah. like what is leading you to desire those changes because it probably wouldn't matter on a desert island. Like, if you were like, <laughs> yeah. I, I use that all the time with my clients. I'm like, if you're trapped on a desert island, would it matter if you can like lift a log up over your head? Yeah, because you need mm-hmm. to like do stuff. But would it matter if you like had an eight pack? There's no one to see it or like give you any yeah. kind of validation. So, just like looking at that because I as much as I want to be like yes like your aesthetic goals are like noble it just sometimes I'm like no like yeah like, what's the practicality yeah like it's not doing anything for you and it's probably not really going to be that satisfying when it happens like when you mm-hmm. get there you're not going to yeah. be like okay I did it and I'm happy like it's not going to make you happy but yeah. maybe squatting 300 pounds will yeah and maybe that's not just what, that's just what you have to find out for yourself like mm-hmm. for me right now that's where I am where it's like adding weight on my lifts is cool. Like I enjoy that and that, that feels good to me. Yeah. But yeah, so you just have to find like what it is for you. Maybe it's that you can run a mile without stopping, you know? Yeah. So I would just say like, yeah, have a goal that yeah. it's fine if you have physical goals, but have one that's also not. Yeah. So that way, you know, <laughs> you can still stay motivated and you can still see results of all the hard work you're putting in. Yeah. This weekend was the first time I've ever actually like, I feel like truly experienced what it's like to just have fun the entire time I'm working out and never care or think about how I compare to someone else or, like, what someone mm-hmm. else thinks of me. Like, it was this, like, weird, like, utop- like, utopian, like euphoric <laughs> moment of just, like, I'm doing this because this physical activity, like, the feeling in my body that I'm feeling right now is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think also we get away from that. Like, yeah, just notice, like, if the things that you're doing in the moment that you're doing them is, like, your lived experience in your own body, positive or negative. Because if you think that you want to be doing something and you think that you like something because of the promise of validation or the promise of a certain physique or the promise of like someone accepting you, but the actual like activity itself in your body in that moment isn't fun, then you probably don't actually like it. Yeah. Yeah. And not saying that like every minute of exercise is going to be fun because like, listen, when I'm doing honestly anything above five reps I'm usually like, <laughs> yeah. um, but when I'm doing like in the process of lifting I'm usually like oh my god this hurts and I'm tired but like I like I love the sense of accomplishment I get from it and yeah. I enjoy it so yeah. like not saying that like you have to love every second of your run or every second of your fitness class mm-hmm. but like overall when you finish it you should feel better than when you started yeah and it shouldn't be like feeling better based on the fact that you think that someone else likes exactly. you now or thinks like something different about you um and I do, like, you definitely aren't going to feel like that all the time, mm-hmm. but I think it's worthwhile to, like, look for that and, like, chase the experience of, like, a full enjoyment and, like, not ever thinking, you know, like, not that you're going to get it every day, certainly. Like, I, like, mm-hmm. I've been training, you know, I've been training running for a couple months now, and that was the first, like, it was the first time that I felt it was during my race. Yeah. So, like, it's not going to happen every day, but it's, it's a really amazing thing to, like, be like, I love this and I want to keep doing it because just like the feeling of moving my legs is enjoyable yeah. right now, which is like rare. Yeah. And that's what keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be what you look like in the mirror every day. It's going to be how you feel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Intuitive exercise. Give it a shot if you haven't already. Yeah. And it can be, like, it can just look like waking up and being like, I feel like whatever, like doing, yeah. you know, whatever thing I'm doing that day. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like you incorporate that into working with your clients? Okay. So my clients, <laughs> they don't really have specific goals. So that's been a little tricky. So one client doesn't really care about aesthetics at all, which I think is really interesting. One client is very much focused on that. And she's about to get married, so I understand where she's coming from. But, well, I say about to. She's got like a year. But anyway. Um, so both of them I have on similar programs. Like, they're different in terms of, like, volume and intensities and whatever. But I have them on similar programs, and both of them are focused on getting stronger and getting mm-hmm. better at the big three lifts. And if they have aesthetic appearances, that's just – or um, if they, like – is their aesthetics changed, I guess. If that happens, that's just a byproduct. It's yeah. not, like, what the program is focused on. And something that I've noticed, no matter how they feel about, um, no matter what their goals are, whether they're appearance-based or not, they both always remark about, like, what other people say about them. Like, one of them, one of my clients told me that she went home for winter break and her mom was like, you're so strong. And she said that her mom doesn't usually give out compliments and that was just like the best thing Mm -hmm. she's ever heard from her. And so obviously that's amazing. And then my client who is appearance-based, she was like, you know, I've noticed that my squat depth has gotten a lot better. Like I've increased weight in this. And so like, it's cool to see that even though they aren't really the ones guiding what's happening per se, they have had their mindset shifted towards like, wait, I actually enjoy this regardless of what benefits it brings me based on my appearance. Yeah. I think one thing I've done that I didn't think I was, I should do when I first started personal training. I thought when I first became a personal trainer that I should write down every single weight that my client ever uses. And then that's the weight we use the next Mm -hmm. week or then we go up. And I do keep track of weights that my clients are using for things. And Mm -hmm. I, I know my clients well enough and I've been working with all of them for long enough that I, even without looking, like, no, like, okay, this is light for you or this is heavier. Yeah. But one thing that I've done is focus more on the desired stimulus of the workout that day than the weight that they're using. Mm-hmm. So, like, my client is doing weighted step-ups and we're doing our – I have a lot of my clients on a non-linear program. So, it's, like, endurance, strength, mm-hmm. power, endurance, strength, power, endurance, strength, power each week. So, like, my client on power day, like, if we're doing – five sets of five weighted step-ups and they grab the 10-pound dumbbells one day and that feels like that is giving them the stimulus that I'm looking for. So it's feeling very hard for a short amount of time. You know, they're not super sweaty, but they're definitely like feeling it in their muscles and it feels like that power component that you want that day, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. Even if they use 15s the week before, you know, Mm -hmm. because people's bodies fluctuate so much. And I feel like being really clear with my clients on what they're, what I'm trying to get them to get out of a certain thing. So like, in if we're you know focusing on endurance one day, and like what I want you to be able to do is move steadily through these three movements for three rounds, and just keep moving the whole time. So you're going to be moving for about 15 minutes without stopping, and choose weights based on that, mm-hmm. not based on like your weight for the yeah. squat or your weight for the overhead press. Then it usually results in a little less judgment around what weight is being used and a little bit more like pride in that they got the feeling that I said that we were going for, like mm-hmm. at the end of the thing, which has been really good too. Yeah. I've tried to make some adjustments like to my language around weights too, mm-hmm. because 
I usually have my clients rank difficulty on a scale of one to 10. So I'm like, we're looking for an eight. So just choose a weight that's going to yeah. get you to an eight, you know? So like yeah. that's been a huge game changer for yeah. me. But when I'm talking about weights, I try so hard to never be like, let me know if this, or like, I, if this weight is too light I know. or too heavy, I'm like, let me know how it feels. Yeah. I try to ask if it's challenging now yeah. instead. And yeah. then I'm like, if it's not challenging, then let's make an adjustment. Yeah. So I, cause I, you don't want to like shame, you don't want anybody to feel shame for the weight that they're choosing. Cause yeah. you're right. Bodies do fluctuate a ton. Yeah. And I think that that between using RPE and trying to yeah. not like have connotations like, yeah, around yeah. Really the weights good. has been a big game changer. That's a really good one. I do the same thing, but I'll like when I, I'll, I'll like tell them the stimulus that we're looking for. And then I'll be like, so let's figure out the right weight for yeah. you. And it, like, I have clients now who will be like, oh, no, this isn't right. Or, like, okay, this one is right. And I think that's cool, too, because it's, like, the best. It's, like, making the best weight the one that is giving them what they want, yeah. even if it's lighter. Yeah. And then it gives them a, like, like this is mine. Like, it's, like, your right weight, which gives oh, you a little bit more of an, like, ownership and, like, personal. I think that's really cool, too. That's also, like, the most valuable skill you can give a client, too, is the way to judge a weight for themselves. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. That's, that's the core of intuitive exercise, honestly. Yeah, yeah. seriously, with anything. Um, cool. Well, do you have anything else that you want to finish with? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on that. I know, inspirational. Like philosophical. We have to go teach this class now, so <laughs> we get do. ready to be philosophical for two hours. Oh, I would just say to... The biggest thing for myself personally has been to uh, not go in with such high expectations. So mm -hmm. cut yourself a break every now and again, and I think you'll end up finding more joy in what you're doing when yeah. you don't hold yourself to, like, an incredibly high standard every day. Like, it's okay to have an off day. Yeah. You know, listen to your body, and if, if you're enjoying what you're doing, exactly. If you're enjoying what you're doing, then that's amazing. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Thanks well, thank for joining you. me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was a blast. Um, okay, so the link to the study that we were looking at will be in the description of the episode if you want to read that, and or at least you can, you know, prove to yourself that it's real. And <laughs> the link to my Patreon page will also be in the description, so check that out if you want. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.